Hello, everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor, and this week we are back in the studio, mm-hmm. back where we belong. Last week, if you missed the episode, we were out at Brody's house. We were Brody joined us in studio. A lot of good um, conversation and takes happened there, so definitely check that out. The audio quality is a little bit worse than normal, mm-hmm. um, but you know it is what it is. We're on location. That always makes it a little bit tougher, but. You know, I think that there was a lot of good points brought up in that podcast. Um, we're not going to really expand on too much in this episode because of the fact that there's actually been some news. Yeah. Um, for the first time in quite a while, uh, pretty Finally. much ever since the the Pro Tour finale happened. Yeah. You know, we've just been been kind of just talking the talk, but now we got some we got some news to kind of go over and give our um, ideas on. It's going um, to happen eventually. There's been about three different announcements um, that I think. Two of them are kind of tied together. The other one's completely separated, but we'll talk through all of them. But the first one I want to talk about is that the Disc Golf Network has announced that they are taking on the live coverage responsibilities for all of the national tours, in addition to the Pro Tour events, uh, the Pro Worlds, and the U.S. Women's. Yeah. Um, first thing I want to point out is it's interest- interesting to see USDGC is not on that list. Well, that's not interesting to me because Innova holds it. I mean, and when I say this... Once again, I'm not taking shots at Innova because obviously they're going to hold what's theirs yeah. to them. Like, why would they give it up? But, like, since Innova owns it, they're not giving that to anybody else. Like, they want they want to reap the benefits from a great tournament. So, hey, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I wish USDGC was on there. But with no matter what, the value of subscription here has went up. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's 5 bucks for if you're a PDGA member, 10 bucks if you're non-PDJ member, but but what you get for that, and there's also a $74.99 option if, for the full year. Um, but regardless, what you're getting for that now is way more valuable than it was mm-hmm. this past season. Um, and another thing that I noticed was interesting with these announcements is that, so the Disc Golf Pro Tour hasn't like actually made an article about it. They just kind of sent out this tweet and social media post yeah. um, explaining it, whereas the PDGA made an article about it. And in the PDGA's article, they broke down almost their full media plan, um, which has announced partnerships with Jomez, Central Coast, Gatekeeper, and GK Pro, where the Pro Tour has not done so yet. Right. I fully expect them to do so soon. They might even do it on a tournament-to-tournament basis, so maybe that's not maybe that's why they're not doing it. Because the National Tour laid out, like, who's doing what card for every tournament, period. Yeah. Um, so maybe the Pro Tour is, like, since they're opening this bidding process, maybe it's whoever did gets that, the best did bid. Did they announce that who's doing every card thing for Worlds, too? They did not. This is just for National Tours. They said the Worlds would be a separate announcement. Right. Because I'm interested, like, Pro Tour covering these events, I'd assume they kind of hold the cards on, like, who gets what card to film. Not when it comes to National Tour. Why not? Because the so we're, we'll talk about this a little bit, but I think where the Disc Golf Network has taken over this is because Smashbox is now basically a part yeah. of the Disc Golf Network. Well, yeah. So where the the National Tour would normally hire Smashbox to do the live coverage, Smashbox is now like, okay, that's fine, but all of our live coverage is going to be under right. the Disc Golf Network umbrella. Right. Um. So I don't think the Pro Tour has any say in who's covering what on the National Tour. Unfortunately. I don't even know if that's unfortunate because I mean Jomez is getting central or Jomez is getting lead card. Um, one of the biggest changes we saw, which to be honest with you, we didn't have a national tour this year, so I don't know if this was originally in the national tour plans. But on the pro tour, we saw GK Pro was the ones doing the FPO lead card. Mm-hmm. On the national tour, they have announced that Central Coast is going to be doing 
um, the FPO lead card, and GK Pro is going to be doing MPO third card, and yeah. it'll be Jomez first card, Gatekeeper second card. Um, and why I think this is big is I think that that gives the FPO, I mean, this is not a shot at GK Pro. They've done a great job, but I think Central Coast just has a bigger name. Yeah. I looked it up. They have twice the following. Um, they just crossed 100,000. They're at 101,000 subscribers. Wow. Uh, Central Coast is, whereas GK Pro is at about 48,000. So twice the following, twice the subscriber amount. That does not directly correlate to views, um, but it, it is at least a twice as big organization. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone would argue that Central Coast is a more well-known name in disc golf. They've been golf. around longer. Yeah. It's a more well-known name in disc golf than GK Pro is right, right now. Yeah. Uh, what's going to be interesting is normally on Central Coast rounds, you have ian commentating with someone mm-hmm. gk pro has had kind of two fpo players um seem to be their take on it last year right it'll be interesting to see if central coast goes the fpo player route or if it's Ian and an fpo player if i had to guess i'd say they'll bring in one to join Ian. yeah that's what i would hope to see yeah um but i also i wouldn't hate seeing ian and philo because i think they're a great commentary yeah duo um and i wouldn't hate seeing them cover fpo because i mean up to this point and correct me if i'm wrong uh, and you in the comments correct me if I'm wrong because I didn't do research on this. I just thought of it. Have we seen FPO coverage that didn't have FPO commentary? Can you think of any examples? Um, I'm sure there's the weird example out there, but it definitely seems to be the trend is that they always want Which FPO is not. Players. There's nothing wrong with it because MPO coverage has MPO commentary. I think that a lot of that comes from, though, um, well, at least in, in years past, it's kind of changing to where there's more like exclusive commentators. But I think a lot of that is because they would usually pick people from that round. Yeah. So that they understand the course they're talking about and have more context. Well, so with, I mean, to me so far, there's been a few standout MPO commentators. Obviously, Paul Ulibarri, Nate Sexton. See the big yeah, term. I mean, it's, it's, it's always controversial when you talk about the MPO uh, commentators because it's very subjective. Well, I, I feel, feel like, like those three have done the best be. job. Who's your list? Nate Sexton, Jeremy yeah. Colleen, Paul Ulibarri. See, I think Sexton's maybe the best. Ulibarri is good. I don't know if he has a great voice for commentary. Well, I think those are the top three that have kind of emerged but I, personally. See, I don't think I don't think Colleen's good. I mean, I disagree there. I, I think, think okay, I think, I think he, Colleen's he, good with Sexton. They have such a good chemistry that they just feed that's off. That's true, other. but that's only because they've been doing it together for so long. But I also think that if you're looking at teams from USDGC, I thought Ian Anderson and Philo were one of the best commentary teams we've heard. Yeah. I really enjoyed them. I I thought they were, they were off and on. Like when they were on, they were good, but like there's times where Philo's commentary and it's, and this is really noticeable during the commentary he did. I think it was the Myrtle beach open. It's very lethargic. Yeah. I could see it. But in Myrtle beach, was he playing? I think so. I think that's a big difference. If Philo is just commentating versus Philo's playing. I don't know. I noticed it during USDGC too. That's just kind of his mannerisms. It, it could which be is fine. But all I'm saying is I, it'd be interesting to see um, FPO coverage with like an Ian and Philo commentary team. Yeah. They bring a different perspective. Would it be better? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it would, maybe they wouldn't because Philo's never played FPO. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would really love to see – I do like having Ian as that state commentator because I think he's very good at staying in his role. You know right. what I mean? He never – because sometimes what can happen with disc golf commentary that I've seen mm-hmm. – and Terry's another one that I think is great at staying in Terry's his role. Terry's the best. Um, and that's a hot take. No, Terry's the best. Terry's the best. Okay. Play, you, and I think the point you're getting to is how play-by-play and color blends. Yes, yes. Right. So – 
obviously, if you're not familiar with like sports commentary and how it works, there's a play-by-play guy. He's telling you objectively what is happening on the screen. A hyzer was just thrown. It skipped 10 feet. It's next to the basket. The color guy, and typically in sports, like for example, on Sunday Night Football, your play-by-play guy is Al Michaels. Why? Because he has a great voice. He never played professional football. He never played any professional sports, but he has a great voice and he's very cinematic about it. And, you know, he's been doing it for a long time. He's good experience. But then the color guy, Chris Collinsworth, also has a pretty good voice and is good at what he does, but he also played professional football. So the color guy is there to then give in that ins- to give an insight and add more. It's the color. So I think Terry Miller and Ian is another good example are guys who are very good play-by-play guys because they don't they didn't play professional disc golf. I mean, professional disc golf. Terry was like nine ninety rated. Okay, professional disc. Yeah, okay, they weren't like top world no, yeah, players. Yeah. They you know haven't I mean. been in the scenarios they're covering. But you know, they have good voices. Like they project well on uh, during their commentary, and they're good at staying in the play-by-play and letting the guys who are typically you know typically their guest commentators would be more experienced like pro players and they're good at letting them do what they do. Yes. Where we see it blend the most is on the pro tour with Doss and Jamie Thomas. So Jamie Thomas should be doing play by play and Doss should be doing color. Yes. And it, it blends in and out so much that I'm like, I get confused. So like, but like my, I think Terry would be the best play by play guy. Well, that's why I think Terry should be on live with, Fill in the blank. Yeah, there's a lot of guys um, you could throw in for color. But when it comes to post, you know, I've really enjoyed Ian Anderson. I think is one of the better post-produced commentators because of that fact. He's so good yeah. at staying in his lane. So I think having Ian and then finding that staple FPO commentator, there's been some that have done great. Yeah. Uh, yes. Even if, like, Hannah Macbeth was interested. I don't know if mm-hmm. she she's tended, tends to be that same type of play-by-play commentator. Um, she doesn't seem to normally do the color side as much. Yeah. But she is, you know, when you get her in front of a mic, you don't have to worry about her being, like, nervous or not being well-spoken. Right. She's going to be well-spoken. Um, and to be honest with you, um, was it Juliana Corver, who she did USWDGC with? Yeah. She wasn't bad either. No, no. Um, so, you know, it might even be someone like that, where you bring someone who's not even at the tournaments in. Yeah, and no matter who you bring on, like, you're only going to get better. I mean, some people are just naturally better in front of camera than others, and that's easy to pick up, but then you're just going to get better with time. Yeah, the more you do it. That's just how it's going to work. But I, I would like to see on the Central Coast coverage on the pro, on the National Tour, I, it's going to be interesting to see if the Pro Tour follows suits. Like, is Central Coast going to do all FPO lead across the board, or is this a National Tour only thing and GK Pro sticks with FPO on the Pro Tour? I think that'll be something that's interesting to see. Yeah, um, I don't know what the Pro Tour is going to do. As, as the Pro Tour announces that, that'll be something that's interesting to see. But I would like to see Ian Anderson with an FPO player um, as the commentary team. I think that... Will will kind of be a good because I mean, I, is there ever been a Central Coast video that Ian hasn't commentated? I'm sure there's a few here and yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, not typically, but, but typically sure he is. There. So I would really like to see that continue to stay um, relevant because I think that that could be something that's going to be not big, like it's not going to be some massive change. But I think that's a, a good move for FPO coverage. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be necessarily better quality, but when you hear that "Rock into the Block" or whatever their intro song is. Everyone has that like nostalgia feeling, or right. at least people in disc golf yeah. for a long time have uh-huh. uh, have that like nostalgia feeling to where like with GK Pro they're so new that you know they just don't have the brand recognition. Sure, is really what it what it comes down to. And also, you know, you're appearing on twice the subscriber feed. Yeah, so that is going to appear to more people. Um, a lot of people I think are searching for the coverage, but that's also something to take note of. It's 101,000 subscribers versus 48,000. 
it's a big difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, 52,000 big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that's, you know, something to be taken into account for sure. But I think it'll be interesting to see kind of as the year goes on, is the pro tour going to also enter into that central coast taking yeah. over? FBO coverage, coverage right now has just become like the big thing in disc golf, like the hot topic. Yeah. You know, it's like what is going to happen with coverage? And then like, it's just, it's really changing really well, quickly. Well, one thing that I think will be interesting is when we had Brody on last week, he talked about how the pro tour has entered into this like bidding type of a system. Right. Right. Where in the years past, and to my knowledge, it was up to this point, I just missed this announcement. I think it was actually this whole past year was in the bidding, but up in previous years, the tournaments were picking their coverage mm -hmm. and paying them right. to come cover. So now we're kind of switching into this model of coverage companies are bidding um, on the Pro Tour for cards. Yeah. What's going to be interesting is I don't know how the bidding model works. Uh, they haven't really released that public information mm -hmm. as, as far as like what is, how does the bidding model work? But I do think what would be interesting is like what if GK Pro uh, at, uh, not Memorial, at, uh, let's just go Ledgestone. GK Pro at Ledgestone outbids Jomez for lead card. I don't think that would happen because Jomez is you know going to have the most money in the coverage right. game, but like if stuff like that started happening, that's gonna be interesting because you know yeah there's there's the Jomez diehard fan base, but at the end of the day there's also the lead card coverage. So if it's on Gatekeeper and they outbid them, you know that's still gonna get the views. Yeah. Um. So it's not like the the Pro Tour is worried about where the views are going between Jomez or Gatekeeper, but you know if you're Gatekeeper, that might be something that's like a okay if we can make this investment and you get into a bidding war. I think that that is something that's going to be interesting to watch. We might not even get to see it until someone actually outbids someone. Then everyone's like, "Holy cow! Why did this happen?" Yeah, that might be the only time we see it because we don't. The numbers up to this point haven't been publicly released of like what are people bidding for coverage? Like, is it thousands? Is yeah. it hundreds? I is mean, it what is it? I know that like uh, Turner Cable or whatever it is, they I think they paid like the last time they won the rights for March Madness, it was like two billion. Well, yeah, I mean that's not what's happening. Right I'm now. just saying, like to like. Network like uh, coverage is very valuable to, to networks. Like, I wonder if, I wonder if the Pro Tour is doing it like season wide, or if it's tournament to tournament. That's also something to look into. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that's true because a lot of sports do it like years long. Like you, it, could, it's you probably can, smarter to do it year right. long. Right. Like you, well, you can get like for instance, like you could bid to get the Super Bowl through twenty thirty. You know. Yeah. Like that's how they do it. Where I don't think disc golf. It's smart. I don't think anybody in disc golf would be smart to make long-term like contractual. Not media-wise, right now. No. Not even not player-wise. Not nothing. A lot of players, especially because like the game's changing so much. I mean, there's, there's some players I, I would make a. We'll talk about some of the player contracts. You know, at the second yeah. part of the segment. But there, there's some players that if I was them, I would make a, a longer-term deal the, if the numbers big enough. Yes, but like yeah. I'm, I'm saying like like for instance. Uh, Haley King just signed the two-year deal super smart because yeah. like it's long enough that she got two years under her belt but the, her value could go up just huge in yeah. two years so yeah I think everybody should like and I think the opposite on the coverage side I think if the coverage side was able to lock down like if I'm Jomez and I'm able to lock down a 10-year deal I'm all over that yeah but if, if I'm the Jomez, if I'm the pro tour right I'm selling want. it a year at a time right. because right my value is going up and, and up new and up people and up. are getting into the game too yeah what happens when all of a sudden yeah some guys that used to work at espn decide they're going to film disc golf and they're amazing at it and they they start trying to bid after your stuff like you want to keep your options open. yeah it's definitely something that's interesting but we've also seen um over this past i think this was over the past week as well it might have been right before the last podcast but the pro tour has entered a three-year deal with smashbox yeah um 
for the disc golf network for smashbox to handle the live coverage mm-hmm. of the disc golf network as i mentioned earlier i think this is the biggest reason we've kind of seen pro worlds u.s women's and the national tour come under the disc golf network umbrella is i think this partnership because right now if you're in disc golf and you want live coverage of an event you're going to smashbox mm-hmm. and you know we see usdgc going a different route but clearly by how much they're charging that takes some serious money right you know what i mean right. if you're in disc golf and you want live coverage smashbox is the one the only right now Mm -hmm. um so i think for the disc golf network to lock them down is a huge move for them there's not a ton of details about the money in this contract but there is some big details um you know because even in the jeff spring is in the article on the pdga quoted as saying live streaming of events will most likely always come through the disc golf network brand in the years to come as smashbox has agreed to support all disc golf network special scheduling prerogatives and the pro tour is also going to be purchasing more live stream equipment, investing in new technology, adding staff, and a new studio based in Wisconsin, which is the home of Johnny V, yeah. uh, who's with Smashbox. I mean, yeah, it sounds... They even mentioned um, purchasing cameras and equipment to be able to add two additional cameras. Right. It sounds like they're basically using Smashbox as like their starting point to like make their own live crew and like just build it. It's like they're like they're building it around Smashbox, right? Like let's take the 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 best live disc golf coverage you know team in the game and let's build around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is a good move because I mean, if you watched the coverage last year, the coverage at the beginning of the year um, versus the coverage at the end the live coverage drastically improved. Right. Um, I think that some people are still, some people might not have seen the live coverage towards the end because I've heard some people talking about how bad it was. Yeah. I'm like, I think you're thinking about older coverage. Yeah. This newer coverage, it's nothing like insane, but it gets job done. The graphics are great. Yeah. Um, even some of the like player graphics when they go to a highlight are Mm -hmm. pretty insane. Um, it's getting up there and you know, it sounds like with purchasing more equipment and adding new hires, and also actually having a studio to do this out of, um, all of it seems like we're, we're in for a treat in 2021. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, and if I'm the pro tour, um, I'd be hiring as many outside people as I could for that live team because I would want, after that three years, um, to basically be able to be independent from any other entities for your live coverage. Well, if, so if I was the pro tour, what I'd be looking at is buying out Smashbox. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. If they were to refuse that offer at the end of three years to be like, well, we have so many people that we've hired that have learned and now yeah. can do it. We can do it on our own basis. Here's my thing is like, I don't think Smashbox would be refusing it because they're already foregoing Smashbox branding. Right. Yeah. I you think, I, mean? I, I think, think they're all stepping that, in that direction. That's the biggest sign to me. Right. Is because if you look back, we talked about this some last week in 2016, I believe it was whenever Steve Dodgers decided to bring all of the media under one roof he offered several media companies, one being Jomez, to come under right. the Pro Tour and do filming as the Pro Tour, and they said no because yeah. they're foregoing the Jomez brand. And you know what? This is a similar situation. It, it could just be a smart PR move from the Pro Tour to where they maybe they could have just bought out Smashbox and Smashbox would have been down for that, but they were like, let's ease the disc golf community into this because they know the Smashbox name. And they're, they already like Smashbox. So let's keep that name for now because people will say, oh, their live co- coverage being brought by you know Smashbox, who we like. Yeah. So I think that could even just be PR on their point. Well, I think it's also like they don't – maybe I think they just want the live coverage aspect. So like buying out Smashbox is also buying out Smashbox podcasts right, and stuff like right, that. Right. To where you know stuff like that they probably – not that the Pro Tour doesn't have interest in, but they might right now like maybe Terry and Johnny are like, we don't want our podcast behind a paywall. You know what I mean? We, we want to we want to be able to still be the guys 
that's just streaming live every week right. um, talking about it. So I think right now it doesn't make sense. Probably the buyout just from all that encompasses like Smashbox encompasses so much different things. Whereas like this is almost a live the live part was almost bought out in a three-year contract basically like it it sounds like anytime smashbox is being contracted to do live it is through the disc golf network now Mm -hmm. um so in a sense it's almost like that but i do think as it progresses it will make sense to just buy out smashbox i think so um because i don't think outside hires if they can come in and immediately improve that's great sure but we've seen even with Fulcrum Media, which was who USDGCs use for their live, they're used to covering uh, Ultimate. And so, like when they the first few days when they cover USDGC, it, it was pretty bad. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? They, they didn't know how to follow discs. They didn't right. know the flight. The graphics were like all kind of jumbled. It, it takes a while to get used to filming and covering disc golf mm-hmm. and like the pace of the game. At what point in the shot do you switch to the catch cam? That's the stuff that Johnny V already has down. Yeah. And that's the stuff that Terry already has down, being out on the field and stuff like that. So that's where, unless the person that's an outside hire is just worlds above skill-wise what these guys are capable of, which, to be honest with you, like, I don't really know what's missing. Because uh, a lot of times what happens in um, technology, because I've done some live stream stuff, is you reach a point where you have the knowledge, but you're being held back by your equipment. Right. To where, like, okay, we can only run but so many cameras because our switcher can only accept so many cameras. Yeah. Or we can only do but so many different fades because our switcher only has that or our program only has that or whatever it may be. So there there might even be a point of, like, Johnny V sitting there, like, people are complaining like it's me, whereas really... I don't know if it's that smooth yet, though. Like, I mean, that what, what coverage, mean? like, the coverage... I see what you're saying to where, like, you know, equipment could be limiting the Pro Tour, but, like... I think it's getting there, but like there's still hiccups in their coverage. It's not like I'm watching a lot less, a lot less. Oh, tons left, but there's still enough where I'm like, there's still improvement to be done before it's just equipment's fault. A lot of that has to do with like communication between the booth and, um, like when it switches over and things like that to interviews and whatnot. It's not like I'm just watching it like buttery transition after one after another. Like there, there are hiccups. Like it'll switch to a camera that's just pointing at a tree. Like, yeah, but it's, it's a lot better, but I'm saying uh, there's still a little bit of work to be done. There is, there is. And, but I do think that purchasing certain technology will make all of that smoother. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I definitely think they're ready to like take on more. Yeah. And I like the idea of them adding, more cameras because i think that's just going to enhance the live disc golf experience because right now why so many people dislike live is there's too much downtime mm-hmm. you know what i mean there's there's right. the moments of them walking between holes where you just there's nothing to watch yeah you know more I mean? cards is is better i mean i i'd like to be able to when you can you, you know because um right now i think they're dedicating i think they have right now like a total of is it only four cameras because I think they have right now four. Two for lead and two for they chase. They have two for lead, two for chase, and the two that are on chase jump to FPO lead um, if they continue the same model of having them two in one stream. Yeah. Um, but they were saying they're going to up it to six. So that means basically three cards of coverage. Yeah. Uh, or possibly possibly uh, four. Because if you if you only have one card on two of the, or one camera on two of the lower cards yeah. to where you can jump in, four cards of disc golf coverage... You know, it's going to be rare to find a time where everyone's walking. Right, yeah. And so that's going to be a lot more exciting, I think, even if you can, like, pre-record some of the stuff where it's, like... Because that's what happens in golf whenever I've watched golf, is they're, like, 
Let's take a you know let's take a moment and jump over. This happened moments ago on hole seventeen. Mm-hmm. You see so and so, which obviously golf is recording every shot that's basically happening. So if something cool happens, they have it on camera. Sure, disc golf's not there yet. Um, but being able to even say like, all right, we're gonna watch lead card pat, like tap out. All right, now moments ago on hole three, this is the third card's drives. You know what I mean? Yeah. To where it doesn't have to always be live. Yeah. Having extra cameras gives you that type of capability. Mm-hmm. So this is all good news to me. Um, and I think it's going to be make big improvements and big strides in the 2021 Pro Tour and even National Tour and World's coverage as Trevor punches his mic. <laughs> um, I think all that's going to make some big improvements. Yeah. And, you know, it all started with this contract with Smashbox, which speaking of three-year deals... Um, we also saw Discraft sign Nate Heinold to a three-year TD deal. Just interesting. You might be sitting here thinking... Nate Heinold, man, he's beloved by disc golf. You might be sitting here like listening to the podcast and be like, okay, and I think this is a massive deal for a number of reasons. I think this is, A, um, big time for the future of disc golf because I think that this is where the sport needs to start going because what this is, is it's a Discraft's event, you know, the Great Lakes Open. They hold it. So when a bigger entity holds it, it doesn't matter who's running it. This is what we were talking about last week, kind of with mm-hmm. Ledgestone, which is funny that it's Nate Heinold in the scenario, um, where if Ledgestone, if Nate Heinold just one year was like, I'm not feeling it, you know what I mean? He would be the one in charge of like finding his replacement. And if he's really like, I'm not feeling it, the tournament's not going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? We even saw this on a much smaller scale. I don't know all the ins and outs, but for some reason this year, for the first time in my disc golf playing career, Two days in May isn't an A tier in Virginia, and it isn't even on the schedule right now. Right. I don't know what the heck happened. If the guy there. in charge drops the ball or just doesn't want to do it. It's just not going to happen. Exactly. Right. Which that can't be happening with pro tour events. Right. Even with an A tier, I'm like, well, crap. Like we, Virginia has no A tiers right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? But on a pro tour scale, that's a much bigger deal. So to see Discraft signing him to a three year deal, I, I think this is huge because this provides accountability to TDs to a larger entity because Discraft's going to be re- relying on Nate Hyland to grow this event over the next three years. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't do a good job, you bring in a new TD. This right. also alludes to the fact that, you know, which most TDs are getting paid of somewhat, but signing a three-year pen-to-the-paper deal, it alludes to him getting paid. Right. Which, in disc golf in general, if you've run events, it's hard for TDs to get paid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bigger events, not as much. But, you know, still, I think it's a big thing for Discraft to be hiring someone to run this event on a contract contractual basis yeah and it's be a public thing of like nate heinold is a td for the next three years let's see what he can do type of a thing Mm -hmm. um and that also you know it also is going to make them more invested in the tournament the td that is right yeah when it comes to heinold he doesn't need the money like not that came off wrong he doesn't need it to be invested in his tournaments Mm -hmm. the guy's just a great td in general you know what i mean he's not going to be like oh well you know dishcraft's only paying me a thousand dollars a year like yeah who cares he doesn't he they could pay him nothing and he's gonna put on a great event sure. heinold does it because he loves it um but for some tds that could matter you know what i mean being like oh shoot because i don't know what the contract is you know the, the contract yeah, just says three years but let's just say 10 grand i think that's an astronomical number it's probably nowhere near that high but that's even number so like if you know there's a td and he's like 10 grand like okay i really better make sure i put on an event that brings in you know the best of the best I, mm-hmm. like i'm up to the standard but I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you think that this is something? Am I kind of crazy for thinking that this is the way the pro tour and stuff should head? Um, having like TDs being like contracted out, or do you think that's a good change? Uh, it's interesting. 
mostly because like Nate Heinold is like kind of a different precedent than the rest of the sport has because like nobody else really talks about like tournament directors, other TDs like they do Nate Heinold. Like he's yeah. like he seems to be like the one that everybody knows because of Ledgestone because Ledgestone busted it onto the scene of like oh my gosh the largest payout in disc golf history so that's why people like know ledgestone really it's how it gained its popularity and it's known for having a really good purse you know because he brought ledgestone insurance into it um which is he like what is his role he's the vp of sales I yeah believe. so like he's uh, you know he's up there at ledgestone or whatever um so it's just a bit it's a bit interesting to me because I think for me to really understand and make an argument against it, I'd have to just understand just how valuable Nate Heinold is compared to any other TD that was going to run. Um, D-Glow is the example, right? Mm-hmm. So, because my thing is D-Glow is an established event. Discraft is funding it, a lot of it, um, and it's on the Pro Tour. So, therefore, players are going to go to it. So, how much is Nate Heinold running it and Discraft knows because they're willing to pay him. So Discraft obviously, you know, knows what his value is. But I'm just curious to know, like, how, like, is there not, you know, t- another TD that could do just as good of a job and not be paid or under some contract? Like, is Nate Heinold really that good at what he does? You know, absolutely. I, I guess he is. I, well, did, I is, guess he is. I just even it's if interesting he's not, to me. even if he's not, I think having TDs under contracts just makes so much sense to me. Like, I think that is a genius move. Because it, it secures your tournament, you know what I mean? You're picking a TD that you trust. You're securing them for, you know, however many years you don't, you know, it's pen to paper, it's a contract. And then on top of it, it gives them accountability. Because if Nate Heinel somehow tanks d Well, yeah, that's the thing, too. I'd have to know the contract structure. Like, is there, is there you know, things he goals he needs to meet? Is there contract goals where if these are not met, your contract is voided or, like, that's what I have to know too. It, when I just hear three-year deal, like that could mean so many things. I mean, that's true. Because I just think that this is unprecedented in disc golf to hear a TD signing a contract deal to yeah. be the TD. I do like Discraft. Like I do like the idea that a manufacturer, like we have this tournament we love, we're gonna give TDs contracts, but if they don't, we're gonna give them goals in these contracts, and we because we want to see our tournaments get better, not just kind of stay how they are. So like I like that idea, and maybe they said we're gonna try this structure out, and Nate Heinold's the best we know he is, so we're gonna let him kind of give this whole TD contract thing a whirl. You know, maybe that's where yeah. they're at. My my thing too is with with Nate Heinold or hiring someone like Nate Heinold. There's a few other TDs out there that are at his level, I think, but very few. Yeah, you don't have to worry about any detail going unnoticed. No, I mean he's good because I think that's the that's the biggest thing with TDs is at the end of the day, if if you're showing up to a C tier. A TD just has to check in, check in, put your scores in. Right. That's that. Because right. it's a C tier. There's not as much of a standard. Mm-hmm. If you're at a pro tour, there's a big standard. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff has to be set up. A lot of stuff has to be taken care of and accounted for. OB mm-hmm. rope has to be clearly defined, the T pads, all of that. And the TD also has to be very good and have a relationship with the players so that when a player comes to them, you know, they can continue that good relationship. Whereas, like, I don't, I can't think of any TDs in disc golf, but you could see where it'd be a bad thing if, like, like obviously Nate Heinold has a good relationship with players because he's able to consistently put as much rope up as he does at yeah. Lake Eureka, and you don't really hear about crazy rule changes or like crazy rule like how dare you type things. My question too, right now, correct me if I'm wrong. Pro Tour event, um, all of the advertising and sponsorship and event is sold by the Pro Tour, right? Correct over like a tour long basis 
Um, either tour long or event specific. Okay, but the the pro tour is who handles that, right? The pro tour handles that, yes. So, like, is Heinold in charge of getting any sponsorships for something? So that's or, where I don't know if there's additional sponsorships you can right. bring in. Because my thing is, I know like when it comes to like media and specific core sponsors. Right. The Pro Tour that, sells that. That's my thing. I don't know if they're selling the title sponsorships. Right. If I was looking for tournament directors, I would see immediate value in the guy who can bring in the money to the event. Like athletic directors for universities, like a lot of positions in sports in general are literally given to guys who know how to raise money. Like that is literally like all they care about is can you get money? Mm-hmm. Um, and like if I'm looking for tournament directors, like that's my number one thing. It's like I want I want the guy who's going to be bringing in all the sponsors because that's like immediately paying for itself. Yeah, the majority of the sponsorship is through the pro tour. Right. See, that's that's something that is interesting to me. But I do know. See, that's something to look into for I, sure. I was like, I've never really thought through. There's got to be. I would like the pro tour. There's got to be additional sponsors outside of just the pro, what pro tour. Brings I don't know in. though because they're selling. Well, think the, about Ledgestone. Well, the. Because think about how much purses vary from tournament to tournament. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I think, true. I think the Pro Tour provides a minimum purse that comes from their sponsorships. And then I think the tournament can go sell additional sponsorships. Right. Pro Tour is selling a lot, though. Um, like, they're selling baskets. They're selling walls. They're selling banners. Mm-hmm. Like, they're selling a lot of things that, like, really takes down your options as a tournament director. I mean, I'm there all... might be whole signs still available. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know. They sell those. I don't think sure. so. Yeah. I'd like the Pro Tour doing, you know, tour wide sponsors. Um, but then, like, if I were the Pro Tour, I'd want to, you know, I mean, maybe the Pro Tour doesn't have enough TDs they could trust to do this. But if I got, like, a guy like Heinold and I'm like, man, he can go out and get us money, like, I'm leaving it up to him and maybe we take a cut. But, you know, Give give some guys a shot to make even more money because instead of we're selling like a tour wide um, tour long sponsorship and it's split like try to give I think the title sponsors are still up for grabs which this one's obviously Discraft that's why it's D Glow right. Discraft Great Lakes Open do they always sell though title sponsors right pretty much always I'm trying to think of some like I don't name a tournament the Preserve well that was a last second one. So I don't know if that one had one because that was a very last Jonesboro. second. Ad. Jonesboro had uh, played again. It was a played. Was it sports. played again? I was thinking. Okay, that's what I'm. Sorry, I'm just I know wondering. Idlewild was. I think Dynamic Disc this year used to be Innova. I think this year it switched Dynamic Disc. I feel like maybe I just don't. I feel like maybe title sponsors just aren't thrown to the front like they should be. A lot of times they're like in the logo uh, yeah. of the event and stuff like that. Um, but you know, the, if you think about in disc golf coverage. There's not a lot of times where, like, going to a commercial, like, on ESPN and CBS, it was pretty obvious, like, this coverage is brought to you by... Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not something that's really happening in Disc Golf Network to. coverage. Um, when you go, like, when you're about to go to commercial, and it's like, this coverage is brought to you by Dynamic Discs. Yeah. You know, and then it's like a 10-second little... Yeah, I'm not sure why they haven't done that yet. I, at least I haven't noticed it. I haven't either. Yeah, so I think that's something... Um, that hasn't really been seen, so that might be part of the reason you don't see it. If you're on site, a lot of times you realize it because a lot of the like little right. stuff you're getting and given like That's being the given thing out. Too is I wonder how much, how many sponsorship things are are really tailored towards on site, and how many like like I feel like if I'm looking at a pro tour package and like whole signs is a sponsorship thing, and then like if I'm not there, I'm never actually going to see that whole sign. Like if I'm that sponsor, I'm like, well, darn. Like I feel yeah. like they got to start really catering things towards tv sponsorship because mm-hmm. that's what's at, in the end of the day going to bring in the well, money that's what, if you look at their sponsorship deck a lot of it 
I almost say the majority is, is media sponsorships. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. Because that's where that's also where they can sell the most. Right. You, can, you can do more commercials. Flyovers can be sponsored. You have the sponsorship of the Disc Golf Network. Then you have the sponsorship of Joe Mess, Central Coast. Like, yeah. They sell all of that through the Pro Tour. Um, which I just realized that. The sponsorships in Joe Mess, I'm 99% sure, maybe not all of them, are sold through the Pro Tour. So when we were talking last week about like sponsorship being on post-produced mm. coverage, that is pro tour money. Mm. I didn't think through I, like when we were talking about it, I wasn't thinking through the sponsorship deck. I looked through. You you can buy like whole sponsorships and stuff for post-produced coverage. Interesting. So that is pro tour money. So basically, the only thing that post-produced is bringing in is Patreon, which they go out and earn, and the viewership, which that could be argued is is uh, the viewership ad revenue off. That's of, big. That that could be argued is pro tour money. Um, Obviously, that's going right to the post-produced companies right now. But yeah, the, the sponsorships, I'll have to double check myself because I wasn't planning on this going down this road, but I'm like 99% sure when I was looking at the sponsorship deck for last year that, that makes sense. post-produced stuff was was Pro Tour money. That's Yeah, I mean, that's a sacrifice from the post-produced companies to not be able to sell their own sponsorships. Yeah, but I mean, that's probably just part of the price you pay to be able to cover Pro Tour. Yeah, good for the Pro Tour. Um. One final thing I want to talk about while we're on Ledgestone. I didn't even write this down, but it just came back to my memory. Um, I meant to talk about it on last week's podcast. completely forgot. The PDGA shut down Ledgestone's attempt to put a 950 minimum rating cap on MPL. What a bummer. So now what what, what Ledgestone's going to be doing is basically a tiered rating system or uh, re- um, registration system right? to where they, they'll tier it. But I thought that was very interesting. Um, that they they shut down that That's bid ridiculous. for P- it to be be nine fifty and above. The PDGA makes me mad. Like, what is their con- their concern is that it's going to catch on, right? And then some certain events won't fill. Is that what they're worried about? I have no idea what their concern is. Like, I don't I don't understand. Like, that event is still going to fill. Yeah. And like, it's going to be better fields. Like, what are we doing, PDGA? I don't know. It's the Pro Tour. I mean, I'm right on the same page with you. Yeah, I don't. I'm just I don't so know confused. what the PDGA man. They don't make any sense. I need to. Um, I wish I would have remembered that before the podcast so I could have looked back into if the if the week. articles Yeah, we'll have to talk about it next week because I want to look at the article and see if their reasoning is in there a, at all. We can just do a deep dive into the PDJ next week and talk about some other things we've been finding about yeah. the PDGA. Um we also found out the PGA is a non profit. Yeah, which s- means their financials are public. We saw their salaries, yeah. So you can you can take a look into that yourself if you want, but maybe <laughs> next week we'll look into that some. Um, you can't de- do a super deep dive into what each specific person's making, but you can look at exactly where how much money they're bringing in and where that money's going. And I, I think there are a few question marks that the disc golf community should be asking. Why is this much money going towards that? Sure. Um, but I don't want to talk about that until I have actual numbers in my face. And maybe when we talk about that, we can do a little more digging on the reasoning behind the 950 being denied because i don't want to talk about that either without with missing information but when we're talking about ledgestone that came back to my mind but that's going to wrap up the first segment as we head into trevor's trivia yes um which i'm actually surprised you had trivia for me because you were working on the restock until like two seconds ago honestly i'm surprised too (laughs) <laughs> we're bringing back disc golf prices right today oh that's a crowd favorite because i know i know you liked this one last time I, I wanted to give it another shot and give you stuff that i think you'll have a better chance with all right i'm not going to just throw you know a, whatever a ten thousand dollar disc at you or whatever <laughs> so i think i've got let's see one two three four five six discs um i'm gonna give you your goal is to stay within three hundred dollars three hundred dollars so fifty dollar buffer per disc all right 
I think you can do it. I don't think so, but let's do it. Number one, and these are all for reference if you weren't here last time. I looked up these on eBay. These all sold. They're not just listed. So people actually paid this much for these products. Um, so the first one is a set of two glow get freakies. Two glow get freakies. Nothing crazy about the stamps. I think one was like a gold sparkle. One was a camo. Obviously new. I'm gonna say it went for three fifty. Oh, he's off to an awful start. One ninety. Oh, frick! I thought they were like one twenty five to one fifty a piece, and I that was hurts. like, I was like, this is either gonna be it sold for super cheap, is why he's asking me, or it went for an astronomical number. <laughs> so you've blown just over half of your uh, buffer in Perfect. one disc. It's I love time it. to tighten up. I mean, on Facebook, I feel like those are going for. I like, knew you were gonna overbid that one. I feel like on Facebook, those are going for like one twenty, one fifty each. Somebody scrapped it up so on someone, eBay. Some, I mean, someone probably just immediately flipped that on Facebook. Probably. Are they new? They were new. Mm. It's a shame. Next, we have a Champion Glow 2005 four-time Ken Climo Rock. This one is not new, but it is a quite sought-after yeah. disc. These discs were said to be like some of the greatest rocks ever thrown. I mean, I'm taking a complete shot in the dark. I think it's over 100 for sure. I think it's over 200, possibly. <laughs> I was just looking at your face hoping you'd react. I'm going to say it went for uh, 190. 150. Okay. Not bad. I was under my buffer for there. Not bad. You're now you have a hundred dollars to go four <laughs> discs left. Here we go. Twenty five bucks a disc. This one, I'm not gonna say anything. This is a player of the year, twenty nineteen, Paige Pierce, Crystal Fierce. The one you gave me one of these. This one is clear, like glass clear. But I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But I mean I don't feel like these went for that much. <laughs> Oh gosh, I don't know why you're laughing. It's either like twenty five bucks or like three fifty. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna just meet you in the middle at seventy five. It was one twenty five. Okay, what was that though? I don't know. I gasped when I saw that. I was like, "Don't I have one of those in my bag right now?" Like, <laughs> I did not think those went for much online. I would have bet. Like, if I if you I wouldn't have know. laughed, I honestly would have guessed like thirty to fifty dollars. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But there you go. You're at 250 now with three to go. You're gonna have to really ball out mm-hmm. here, and it's getting harder. <laughs> this is an Innova Champion Edition, so CE Gazelle X out, brand mm-hmm. new, seventy five dollars, sixty five. All right, that or was 60, a good one. Sixty rather. Oh, no. Sorry, no, it's sixty five. Give me ten. You didn't include shipping. Five dollars shipping. No. That's right. All right, pretty good there. All right, two to go. This one is a Nate Sexton Firebird 2015 mm. edition. Mm. Brand new. Brand new 2015 Nate Sexton Woo! Firebird. 225. 360. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> and, he, and he blows it. <laughs> and uh, the last one, just for good fun, this one I thought was really cool. A Night Shift pre flight number champion orc. Brand new. What the heck's Night Shift? I think it's just like the Glow. color of it. It's color shift? It looked color shift almost. I never knew Innova did that. I don't know. It was like bluish, blackish. It was interesting color. Night Shift. Don't even pay attention to that. It's just pre flight champ orc. Brand new. 75. 325 bucks. The frick? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, that shows how little I know. Yeah, I'm sure any of you uh, disc collector gurus out there probably destroyed Hunter just then. But Surely, I played bad. You were, I mean, I was you had a couple good, zone. yeah, a couple good. You need to get back in the market. Yeah, I need to I need to do some more research for you to keep this game up. Um, speaking of getting on the market, we've yeah, got... Yeah, what, what a segue. We've got a rumor here. More than a rumor. Is it more than a rumor? It is. I don't know. When your van is parked places... <laughs> So on Reddit, this post has since been taken down, yeah. but I did some deep diving 
into different users who I knew commented on it and I was able to find the post. You again. did find it again. I found yeah. the post again. So on Reddit, user all caps V senses posted an image of James Conrad's van outside of the MVP offices. Which obviously started a rumor that Conrad is leaving and about to go to MVP. Very valid rumor. Like what on earth else is James Conrad who lives in Virginia? One of the MVP guys who works there said, We're talking to all the free agents, you know, of course we're talking to James Conrad too. That's all he said. Well, yeah. But since then, we have seen a post on Comrade's Facebook that says, it was a longer post basically saying, like, I'm back on social media, hint number one. Um, when you sign a new contract, people probably want you on social media more active. Yeah. Uh, hint number two, stay tuned, he said in this, stay tuned as I've got a lot more in the works, and then in parentheses, some of which I can't share, or some of which can't be shared just yet. And then he followed it with dot, could dot, be, dot. Could be an Innova restructure. But then we also saw Innova announce a number of re-signings and extensions from a list that you would expect James Conrad to be on. And he wasn't on Garrett it. Gerthy, Nate Sexton. Yeah, that's true. Gerthy was in there. Those type of players that you would yeah. expect Conrad Conrad's to be on. Conrad's gone with the wind, man. And he wasn't on it. He's going to be throwing ions and anodes all over the place. Now, now, first off, before we talk about any of this, could this just be speculations and rumors and he signs with Innova? Sure. Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. That's no there, fun. There is no actual hard evidence backing this yet. Well, there's hard evidence. Well, there's there's evidence his, that he's at least talking. His van was there. It was him in the study <laughs> with the candlestick. <laughs> there is evidence that he's at least in talks with MVP. Yeah, that's all there's evidence of. Yeah, but is it still going to be fun to talk about? One hundred percent. So, Conrad leaving for MVP. It'd be their best pro they've ever had. I was gonna say, is this a bigger loss for Innova or win for MVP? So Conrad's an interesting player because he kind of looked like a world beater there that year he won the USDGC, which was really confusing to everybody because he didn't have a forehand, which like seems to be the thing that you can't do, but he did have the greatest backhand anti putter of all time. Yeah. Um, his putt was a big part of that. It was incredible. And then, cause last year he kind of fell off. Wasn't really that good. He was around for a few events. So I'm not really on the James Conrad hype train. Number two thing about James Conrad, he's not a big personality. He's got the hair. Literally, if he didn't have the hair, nobody would really care about James Conrad. I'm sorry to say mm, it. He, he also w- has his run up. He would not be <laughs> and near, his back He would not be nearly his backhand as putter known. shots. No, he would not be nearly as known. Not nearly. Hair. I'll agree with so that. So, like, from an MVP point of view, if you get him for a good value, he's a good player. Might win a pro tour, even, you know? definitely big for you but like from a marketing standpoint he's not great if you're innova not a not a big loss you lost the usdgc champ you also lost his tour series discs and you you lost the, the tour series discs but you probably free up, i mean that's the thing too it's so hard to know like it did they just free up a bunch of cap space cap space like <laughs> money to to pay somebody else uh or is it just like just kind of like they're like whatever i mean innova is willing to let go of paul mcbeth so like what are we really saying like <laughs> they obviously do not care <laughs> but uh i i just don't know i think it's really interesting i most most of what i'm getting out of this is like i don't know if it's huge for mvp if it's not if it's a huge loss for innova but i think it's really interesting to see a guy who will be on lead cards a little bit you know throwing a bag that is going to be really different to what he had yeah. he's not gonna have wraiths and jk avrs he's gonna have stuff that i don't even know the names of Gyro technology, who knows? Yeah. Uh, so in regards to the question I asked you, I think this is a much bigger win for MVP than it is a loss for Innova. Simply because Innova still has 
key players that are still going to be on those lead yeah. cards. They're, like, they're still going to be out there. Enova's not going anywhere. MVP, however, like you were just saying, they don't really have the, that keystone, great player on lead cards, stuff like that. And yeah, I think James... Go ahead, go ahead. I think James Conrad could be that player for them. Uh, is he going to be super marketable, you know, always on social media, posting his own YouTube videos, stuff like That's that? That's the thing, though. No. If he's not winning, he's not going to make a splash for MVP. But where I think he will make a splash is his putter throws. Because if we know anything about MVP, and you might not know this, their putters are fantastic. No, yeah, I know this. Their, their putters in general, they're, they're great throwers. Everyone that goes to MVP, they rave about the Ion, the Envy, the Anode, and even the Pilot, which the Pilot isn't even uh, gyro technology. The MVP is, it's crowd just, is still very niche crowd, though. Like For right now. But that's what I'm saying is, are they only a niche crowd just because they haven't had that player yet? I don't know if he's that player. But if he gets out there and he's throwing pilots or ions or whatever he decides to throw all over the place and people are watching these discs fly, like, because the thing is, Conrad makes a putter look so good. Yeah. He made the JK AVR look insane to where Enova's JK AVR sales had to go up and see numbers because of Conrad. Sure. So now if you have this whole new market of discs that no one, not no one, but like a big market of what James Conrad's reaching right now hasn't tried. Yeah. You have this whole new bag, and he's if he's able to pull off some of the shots with some of these putters, that could be a career, not career, but a business-changing move for MVP. I just wonder, if I'm MVP, um, I don't know how much they're going to pay James Conrad, what deals they're going to give him, but if I'm MVP and I'm really looking to burst onto the scene, I'm throwing every amount of money I have at a Kyle Klein or a Ezra Adderhold Aderhold, it's actually pronounced apparently according to him. Um, he would know. He would know, yeah. Or like a young gun who might not be worth a lot right now, but has potential. I think the issue with that is risk. The risk of if they don't turn into someone. Kyle Klein's going to be somebody. He I already agree, is going to be James I agree, Conrad. But I bet it's you risk. Kyle Klein finishes with higher on the Pro Tour standings than James Conrad next year. There's James, a possibility, but he's not as proven on tour. If I'm MVP, it, I'm loving this move. Uh, I love it. He's an established pro. It's safe. It's exactly. Because that's, if you're MVP, you don't have the money to risk. You just don't. Yeah, but you don't have the market share to not take risks because you, you're going to get, you just going to get it, the thing out. is, this is a somewhat of a risk because you don't know what it's going to do, but it's also not that much of a risk because you know what you're going to get out of James Conrad. He's going to be a solid player. If he can throw your plastic good enough, then he's going to make you the money to take that risk. Maybe. That's the biggest thing to me. Is, I guess it matters too. How many years does he sign for? That's also true. The, the, the contract's gonna be a big thing. If but it's like two years, and sure. I think that if this actually comes through and Conrad actually goes to MVP, um, I think it's a great move for them because I think that they probably the reason we haven't seen them sign a great you know a big player, a big time player, is simply a lot of the top names that are marketable are expensive. You're going to be have to paying a lot of money or at least offering them a lot and things. And that's even a risk for some of the players. Because then, like, what if the player switching to an MVP bag is a pretty big deal? Because well, it's, really it's difficult. drastically different from everything else on the market. Yeah. So what if, you know, what if as a player I'm looking at it and I just end up not being good with MVP? It's a possibility. I don't think that's going to happen with Comrade because the putters are so strong. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure but, a guy like Conrad before he's going to make that decision has thrown a lot of MVP absolutely. in his backyard. I just think it's a, I think it's a very smart move for MVP, and I think it's smarter than going after a new gun, new guy just because there's more risk there. If you throw the same, right. you might be able to get Conrad for the same amount that you'd be throwing at Kyle Klein, right. and Conrad, you know what he's going to get you. Kyle Klein, sure, he could come in second or third, 
but there's also a chance he comes in 15th or 20th. Conrad's going to be in that like 15 to 5 range. Sure. You know what I mean? He's going to be in there. And so you know what you're getting. It's a little bit safer investment on, in my eyes. Okay. Um, really quickly, before we wrap up with Make That Call, I'm going to use my phone because I want to pull up the Ulti World uh, sponsorship uh, tracker just so that we can look at you know, everyone and their mom extending their contracts. Yeah, just so that we can read through what exactly is happening because there's a reason that we haven't talked about much. Um, so let's just read through this really fast. The First off, this is the only one that I'm going to say with the word move next to it. And that is Sarah Sinclair. We talked about this a while ago. End of it, a prodigy. Okay. All these players I'm about to mention have signed an extension. Okay. Chris Dickerson, Brody Smith, Eagle McMahon, Cynthia Ric- Ricciotti. I think that's it. Cynthia Ricciotti, Sarah Gilpin, Nate Sexton, Greg Barsby, Garrett Gerthy, Evelina Salonen, Hannah Bloomros, Andrew Fish, Holly Finley, Vino... Makella, you've heard you. Oh man, he's filthy. Is that the German one? No, he's Finnish. I'm pretty sure. Uh, is he like the number one Finnish guy? I think so. He, he signed an extension from Prodigy. <laughs> Haley King, Casey White actually was an extension and a promotion to their tour team, so there'll be a Casey White tour series disc, and Courtney Cannon extension and a promotion with Discraft to their tour team. Mm-hmm. Um, only other player that's a move. They have a, they have a Gannon and a Cannon. A Gannon and a Cannon. Only other player that's a move is Scott Withers, but we don't know where he's going. Right. It's just that he's announced he's not with Innova anymore. Mm-hmm. So this is the year of the extension right now. Um, there's still a few players that are yet to announce stuff, um, which we'll talk about kind of as that happens. There's no real evidence other than the James Conrad move. There's no real evidence out there mm-hmm. um, that's public knowledge, at least, of where players might be going. Um, but, you know, as that stuff comes to light, we'll cover it. But the James Conrad one's definitely an interesting situation to see, you know, maybe he's going to MVP to get a bargaining chip for his Innova deal. Saying like, look, MVP's offering me this much. Like, if you want me to stay, you got you got to match their offer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It could be something as simple as that. But the fact of the matter is, a van with his, his face on the side of it was parked outside MVP, so we know he was there. Right there yeah. <laughs> uh, that's about all we know, though. So let's head into our final segment as we wrap up the show. A fan favorite, at least I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, make that call. So if you're watching at home or you're listening, play along. See if you know what the call is to this. Um, this is actually a pretty common scenario I've given you over and over. Okay. Final round of your tournament. It's always final round. Started in a shotgun format. Okay. You, you started on hole one. Starting off the round two strokes back to lead. Okay. Mm, so I'm on the lead card. Yeah. You're right. not only on your lead card, you're in second. You're approaching hole 18. You've cut it down. You're tied up. It's all tied Ooh. up going into 18. It's a tough par three. You leave your shot somewhat short, but your opponent was even shorter. Mm. He lays up under the basket, touching the pen for the three. Okay. You're like, do I lay up? Do I run it? You know, you're like, you know what? 80 footer death putt. I'm running this thing. Heck yeah. I'm doing it. I would. Bang. You nail it. Oh, let's go. You are sprinting in. I just got chills. Fist pumping. Raptor yelling legs. your head out. You know, yelling your head out. What the heck am I talking yep. about? Yelling your heart out. You're stoked. Okay. You're celebrating like crazy. You just won. You're running in. As you're running in, the guy you're playing against calls you on a courtesy violation. Oh. And uh, because you Somebody you're, seconds it? Courtesy violation. For engaging in distracting action of yelling and running in. So, I'm going to pose this as a two-part question. A, do you think this call should be seconded? B, if it is seconded, what is the result? Okay. Um, first of all, no, it shouldn't be seconded because the tournament's over. You literally cannot lose it. It was a shotgun point. start. So, but I, so, I don't know if I won. No, you, no, you won. Do I? 
Yes, you are. There's no no one else could catch you, but there's still play going on matter. on the course. Doesn't matter. Okay. Okay, it does matter. There's other people <laughs> playing for other positions, but that's that's ridiculous. So should it be seconded first off? No. Okay. A dude just won a tournament. If you're second, if you're courtesy violating him just because you're salty, then and it is just because you're salty. You're not concerned about other people's courtesy. Then that dude, that's just ridiculous. You're okay. being a sore loser. So then secondary, if it happened to be seconded, what is the penalty? <laughs> What is the penalty on a, of a courtesy violation? I want to say you get a you get a warning for the first one. Mm, he nailed it. Yeah, that's the thought. I thought that's the part I thought I was going to fool you because you'd be so caught up on the seconded. No, but technically, yes, it should be seconded, simply because one of the one of the distracting uh, terms or one of the ways that the PDJ describes distracting is yelling and shouting, unless you're yelling like heads up. I don't. That's and it's according to Rule Eight Twelve A Three A. Um, but it would only be a warning because unless it was your second courtesy violation since the round started. But yeah, one of the things under distracting, um, activities is, is shouting. I mean, I guess like, okay, let's put it this way. If I'm, um, playing any event where there's not really spectators, like I'm never doing that in a million years. And like, I guess I understand, like, what are you getting all excited about? You might have just won 500 bucks, <laughs> but like a little fist pump. Little, yeah. Like whatever. Yeah. But now if, if like, and I know this doesn't even apply, but like obviously on the pro tour, we want guys to be screaming and yelling when they make winning putts. Yeah. But then the tournament's over because it was tea time. Yeah. I mean, so then not, you're not distracting anyone. I'm not even sure that's the point, but no, that's not the point of what you were saying, but that's yeah. the point of the rule. That's yeah. why, I, that's why I specified shotgun. Cause I think realistically, if you fist pump, you're like, let's go. That's not distracting. Right. If you're running with your hands above your head, go woo <laughs> yeah. to the basket. I that probably okay. just got memed. If you're yeah. doing that, <laughs> running to the basket, that might be considered distracting. Yeah, it's valid. So in that case, you might be courtesy violation, but it's okay. It's a, it's warning. a warning. You still won. <laughs> yeah, that would be the best feeling ever. Oh, by the way, buddy, it's just a <laughs> warning. I'm warned. <laughs> yeah, so that's gonna wrap it up for this week, guys. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in, and also thank you for providing your feedback over on our Instagram story or on our Reddit post about things that we can improve on the uh, the podcast and even just in general. If you haven't already, you can head over to Reddit, search that post up, and, and let us know kind of what you like, what you dislike, and ways we can improve. We're, we're really trying to, as we go into 2021, um, put our ear to the ground and hear what you guys have to say and what you want to see out of us so that we can grow um, both us uh, as a channel, as a business, and the community as a whole um, in 2021. I think that you guys and your feedback is a crucial part of that. So please let us have your feedback there. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we truly, truly appreciate each and every one of you that already have left a review. And if you would, please take a little bit out of your time to leave us a review, whether it's five star, one star, three star, we've got it all. Um, you know, I, I read all of those and, you know, it, I really take to heart what you guys are saying and ways we can improve the podcast so that we can make this the best experience for you guys possible. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thanks again, guys, for listening, and we will talk to you next week.